Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello there, good afternoon, welcome. The inter-county GA scene may be gone into hibernation for a few weeks, but that doesn't mean we are putting our feet up here in the Irish Examiner's podcast department. Instead, our focus is on the club on this week's show with a variety of topics to be covered. Plus, we will be hearing about one of the most glamorous settings for club training in the world. So stay tuned to find out. Okay, now Dennis Hurley was out and about over the weekend and witnessed one of the big storylines from the Cox Senior Football Championship with Fermoy defeating Castlehaven in Brynne. He joins now in studio. Uh, I can imagine the emotion at the final whistle yesterday. What was it, 55 years since Fermoy were last in senior ranks? Yeah, 1964 was, was the, the last time they were in the top grade. In fairness to them, the only time they traded in the whole game was after Cahill McGuire got the first point for Castlehaven in the opening minutes. Kieran Morrison's goal put them in front and... Castlehaven did get back level, but from I never trailed after that. And the manager afterwards, Mick Hennessy, he was, I wouldn't say bullish, but he was he was kind of, um, he, he was confident, you know, and, and he, he said that that had, that had been the, the attitude in the team, that they were going there to win the game. It wasn't just a case of being whipping boys for the Haven. And even they were missing a few guys. Jack Hutchings was named to start and had to put out in the warm-up. So I think they were missing three of the team that, that beat St. Michael's in the Premier Intermediate final last year. But they, they just kind of, they, they never panicked. You know, even, even in the second half, they had a couple of wides, you know, and the Haven were coming back. And, you know, we, we've seen those games so mm. many times before. But they, they just kept their heads, even when it got level, they made sure he didn't fall behind and Martin Brennan was able to get the uh, the point in, in injury time to, to win it for them. Because obviously the Haven were down to 13 by that stage, so extra time would have given them a chance to get back up to the full complement and you'd be thinking that they might kind of um, push on. Okay, people talk a lot about the standards of the Cork Football Championship Senior Premier Intermediate, etc. Given the entire debate about where the Cork Senior Football Team is at at the moment... What sort of a game was it? Indeed, what what was the standard like across the board for you at the weekend? It, it, it was quite good. That game was, there were a couple of other journalists in Brinney yesterday um, who had seen a few other games on Friday and Saturday night and they were view, the view that that was the best game they had seen. Um, so it, it was it was a good standard. Um, the Haven were without Brian Hurley and Michael Hurley only came on as a sub, so that inhibited their... Um, their scoring prowess but as a game and as a contest it was um it was definitely one of the better ones and the the score line obviously indicates that it was one of the closer ones too okay but the counter i suppose on all of this is for a team that wins the momentum bang gone whereas the losing team will have plenty to be motivated by licking their lips, righting the wrongs, etc. So I'd say that is one of the issues, though, with the system as it stands at the moment. It Absolutely, it is. And that is one of the things that will 
not be fully eradicated with the new system, but it will definitely be lessened mm. because you're coming back in August to play in the same group that you were in in April. Whereas now, like you say, you have the great win and there's the, the hoopla in the immediate aftermath of that. And then it's uh, like, like, um, like McKenzie said, they have hurling in a few weeks' time, then they'll take a break. And it's back to training for what's effectively another pre-season. The, the losing teams this year, it, it is slightly different in that the draws for the second rounds haven't been made yet. So whereas before, you'd know who you were, who you were up against and you could prepare for that. No, you're kind of thrown back into a bit of uncertainty and you'd imagine the draw will be made. The games will be set for fairly soon after that. So it is kind of um, sink or swim time for those teams because obviously you're hoping that you'll be able to learn the lessons, but there's, there's no guarantee. And whereas there was the third chance in, in recent years, it is only the second chance now. So it, it's kind of uh, do or die for those one of the other uh, close games yesterday was uh, also in the Senior Football Championship up in Parky Ring. Douglas uh, pipping Bishopstown 110-19. to Were you surprised by the closeness of that? Um, I suppose given given the potential Douglas have and, and how they're, they're always kind of in, in the latter stages, you, you probably would. Their manager Mick Evans said that there's a lot more to come from them um, and that's kind of that's often the case with Douglas they were without some some big names yesterday neither the Cadigans were playing uh, Shane McCarthy the guy who got the goal who is back um, he he was a very good player with Cork at under 21 level and then he missed a few years but he's always been able to um, able to, to shine in, in the county championship like that but you know like you say given that there is a break now until the third round the first round isn't the time to be firing on all cylinders it it, it is just a case of getting the win and mm. kind of making sure that that any other fears are eased obviously there's the the other consideration this year of knowing that if you do get to the quarterfinals you're guaranteed a place in the, the top grade for next year so that's a, a carrot for teams as well okay that's a topic we'll be coming back to on the podcast in a few moments time uh, one interesting name i noticed as well too in the douglas match uh, shawnee powder featuring for about 40 odd minutes or so yeah that'll be something that'll cheer the hearts of, of cork football fans who could certainly do with being cheered um uh, i think we're almost in danger of placing too much hope now on Sean Powder. He's the great white hope because he is a top quality player and his absence was felt by Cork in the league this year and last year. So to have him ready and fit for the championship would be a huge boost. But I'd caution against kind of... um, expecting him to, to turn everything around okay i hate using the phrase blowouts but there were blowouts plenty in the championship over the weekend there there were a few yeah um nemo and and valley rovers a bit of a surprise you'd have you'd have taken nemo to win that but given that valleys have been there or thereabouts the last few years they were in the last two quarterfinals you'd have been expecting them to kind of really put it up to Nemo as, as a sign of, of their improvement, and that didn't really happen. Nemo can do, to, do that to every team. I remember was it two years ago, they did it to Duhallo in the first round, and Duhallo ended up getting to, to the semi-finals the following year. Um, but, you know, it, it is worrying when you do have big results like that. Clyde Rovers will be wondering what they did to offend anyone, because last year they had Nemo in the first round, reigning champions this year the bars the same thing and obviously when a team does win a county they do get that extra bit of confidence and momentum and they'll they want to come out and show that they are worthy champions and i think clyde have felt the, the brunt of that the other interesting one was was the game i was the first game in brinney i was at yesterday donnie's who hadn't won a first round since 2015 and you know 
they, they kind of maybe would have been one of the teams that people would be thinking would be in the new senior A next year. But they uh, they really, really played well. I'd say Knicks were missing a few guys and didn't didn't play as they could. But Dawny certainly um, will be happy with their outing. Mark Buckley got 2-7, I think. And Fionn Hurley got 1-3. Like, it's such such an asset for a team to have two focal points in the attack like that. And uh, their manager, Dennis Healy, afterwards, you know, I asked him, was the... The, the splitting of the grades a consideration and he just said this team we feel is good enough to get to a quarter final and that's that's our focus okay finally just given that you were out and about uh, over the week Dennis you were at the county board meeting last Tuesday night regarding the new plans for championship 2020 and beyond what, what's the vibe on the ground what's the viewpoint I think people are happy overall um, everyone's happy that there was a debate had uh, and that views were aired mm. I think some of the the coverage from outside of Cork was a bit negative in that it was like, oh, look at Cork. They're telling clubs they can't use the county players. It was only ever a discussion. That discussion was had and it was noticeable at the meeting how there was nobody vitriolic. It was a, a, a positive discussion. Views were, were given and taken. And the, the vote, I think, was as you would have expected beforehand. You know, change is slow in the GEA. It was, it was always going to be the one that was... The, the the smallest move away from the status quo was likely to be chosen. I think, though, you know, for further down the line, there has definitely been a slight move, and we could see something like the infamous option C, but probably with the county players. Although there is the the riddle of how you fit that in with the the intercounty system, but the the views were given. Clubs want games. They want smaller grades, more competitive grades and automatic relegation and I think people are happy that from 2020 there will be uh, not a perfect system but a better system and our thanks to Dennis Hurley for his thoughts there now the Irish Examiner broke new ground on Friday night with our first live streaming of a Cork County Championship game with Kish Game defeating Mallow in the wonderful Kilshanny ground at Glantan at half time in the game I was joined by Tony Lean and Conor McCarthy to discuss the new direction for the Cork Championships in 2020 and indeed what impact they may have on teams competing in 2019. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like moving day in a golf tournament, you know. This this year teams want to be in that top tier next year and you know the easiest way to do that is to make the quarter final of the of the competition you're in, but if you're not in at the quarter final, you really need to be accruing the points, you need to be winning as many games as possible. It, it, yeah, just to, to, to clarify, it, and this was only decided obviously this week at the county board, because they didn't want to lump it all Cullum in 2018, because any team could get caught on the day, they're actually taking into account as well the results from the last three years. Now, Kishkame, this is their third year senior, this is Mallow's second year senior. There will be a small bit of account taken for the fact, as Kevin O'Donovan, the county board, said, that if you've been sitting the higher paper, you're obviously that's going to be taken into account. So there's a bit of shuffling, and I actually saw some clubs during the week, Connor, were actually doing that grading system. I saw now, for instance, the Douglas footballers, and I was talking to the few lads in Douglas, they were looking and they're ranked 7th or 8th in terms of the senior football. So you're probably right. Teams are going to be looking and say, OK, where are we at the moment? Oh, question I have to ask you, Connor. the big debate, of course, on Tuesday night. Did you have any thoughts on option C, given you would have been a man that would have seen the two sides of the coin? Yeah, I would have been in favour of option C. I know talking to Billy Denny beforehand, there wasn't much support in Kishkane for option C. I, I think, you know, just participation is the number one thing in GA. That goes back to why we all play the game. 
And option C for me, maintain the highest participation levels. I know people want to see their county players playing with their clubs, but um, that hasn't been happening and there's still going to be problems with it ad infinitum. But I think the most important thing is we're moving forward. You know, there's no bullseye with this thing, you know. So we're moving forward. It's a positive step forward. Um, but I would have gone for option C. I think... I think the vote Tuesday night, Cullen, was actually more than a straw in the wind. I mean, the option C still got almost 25% of the delegates. And a little birdie told me in the last couple of days as well that it actually got 70 second preferences, Connor. So, you know, you couple that together, you would say, you know, that, okay, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say there was an appetite in the room but, but there certainly there was no doubt that there's an appetite for change and people were you know de- clubs were prepared to take it it's parked for now I'm not saying I wouldn't say it's parked forever do you think though that it may have planted the seed for other counties yeah interesting interestingly I suppose the, the best thing about it is there was engagement you know and there hasn't been engagement for a long time and if people are involved and they feel consulted and it's co-designed to an extent are they at least given an a la carte um, presentation of options that's brilliant and I think if every county did that whatever they want to come up with individually maybe that might move into some sort of an overall composite structure eventually but as long as clubs are involved and they feel engaged that's where we want to get that Tease that out for me Connor, because Colm's point is a good one I mean you've seen it from all sides you've seen it as a player you've been involved on the, on the management side I mean playing two games Say, Skib, when you were playing and there was a couple of the other lads were involved as well, how would you feel about those two championship games, about the fact that they're worth half points playing without your county players? I mean, do you think they would find favour in the dressing room and the club? Yeah, I think, look, there's winners and losers with everything and it's probably not even the right way to look at it in terms of winners and losers. It's more that, you know, there's pros and cons. And as long as there's equity and it's fair for everyone, and the treatment is the same, albeit someone like Tyg McCorrigs in West Cork, right? They have three players of inter-county standard, we'll say, over the last couple of years. They would stand to lose out in a scenario like that significantly. But then maybe, you know, maybe that's the level they're at without their county players. Maybe they have to rise to that challenge and maybe it will improve them as a club over a number of years. And that's just one example. Nemo, people talk about, they have a lot of county players. But I bet you Nemo, without, without the Cork players, they put in a performance, you know? I think, Cullum, the, you know, you look at it in a broader context, it was a good week for Cork GA, and Cork GA, let's face it, hasn't had a lot of good weeks in the last number of months. It was a good week because Connor said there was genuine debate, there was genuine engagement. I mean, I was at that meeting. There was over 220 delegates at that meeting on Tuesday night. You wouldn't get that even at convention, annual convention. So in that sense, the debate has started. Cork has started the debate. It's got everybody talking, and that has to be a good thing. Was there a feeling, Tony, though, the thing was rushed? That was mentioned by more than one delegate. What, why are we doing this? Why, why are we doing it in such a rush? I think the executive's point and Kevin O'Donovan's point particularly, which I agree with to some extent, was that we don't want to start this year's championship with clubs not knowing what they're looking into. And that goes back to Connor's point there about the grading, you know, that they don't want to be able to say maybe if the decision had been delayed, say, for a month or two months, then you might have a Malorkish game coming back saying, oh, hold on a second, if we'd known that, we would have you know, maybe treated games differently. You know, so in that sense, I think they wanted to get it out there. In term, and get the whole format sorted before the championship started. And so was there a rush to do that? I think there was a small bit, and it didn't find favour with every club. And our thanks to Connor and to Tony there. Now, given that we are in the club month of April, we decided to drill down to the grassroots of the GAA. 
But instead of looking to the likes of Leitrim or Leash, we turned our attention to Los Angeles and how Gaelic Games has taken hold in California. We're delighted to be joined from LA, I always wanted to say that, by Cougars president, Ronan Wall. Now, uh, Ronan, first of all, Los Angeles isn't exactly renowned for Gaelic football, so what's the history of the game in the city? Uh, there's actually a surprisingly rich history of Gaelic football in, in Los Angeles. Um during the building boom in the kind of late 70s, early 80s, there were actually six teams in the city. Um, and the standard was pretty high. The uh, 1983 All-Star team actually came over to play the best of the, the LA teams. So uh, that included the likes of Paddy O'Shea. Um, so yes, the standard was pretty good. Uh, only one of those six teams actually remains today. The Huntington Beach Wild Geese. One of their ex-players, Tony McCarthy, I think is from Killaloo in, in Clare, now manages them. Um, and there's still lots of players from back then living in L.A. There's uh, God, Carl Regan from Skibbereen, Barney Rock's brother Philip from Ballymunner in the city. We've uh, unsuccessfully tried to tempo them out of retirement. Um, and yeah, the Cougars became the, the second Gaelic football team in the city when we formed three years ago. And we've actually just started a ladies team this year called Mulhollands, which will be a third. So we're slowly building back up to uh, to the number of clubs again. There's always a story behind the foundation of any club. So what's the story with yours? <laughs> yeah, and it, it generally involves alcohol. Um, so probably the, the strangest part of our form is that it was founded by someone who doesn't drink. Um, people know him as Doc or Dahi O'Queeve is his name from, from Dublin. Um Doc has founded clubs in a, a few different countries, the Netherlands and, and Belgium, and I think there's one other. Um, but he moved to L.A. Uh, probably about 10 years ago now and played with the, the Huntington Beach Wild Geese. Um, and then about five years ago, thought he'd give it a go and see if he could get the numbers to play up in L.A. and create another club. And uh, when they met for the first time, I think they had about seven or eight players and they had a bunch of training bibs for their first match. And... Two years ago, we uh, we became an independent club, and uh, yeah, everything's exploded since then. So he he founded it with a, a guy called James Lynch from Kildare and two Americans, uh, Andrew Nelson, who's from Philadelphia, and Curtis Petraglia from Charlotte. Um, and probably the funniest part of the the first year for the club was the fact that Doc used to actually attract people to play by dropping the word Gaelic from any advertising so Curtis showed up at his first training session thinking that he was he was playing soccer um, but he loved it and and he's now first choice wing back in the team holding a, a lot of Irish guys out of the out of the squad I'm told you have a 50-50 split with the Irish and non-Irish players so be honest are the non-Irish lads any good? Yeah we we want to build something that's going to live beyond the careers of the the Irish guys in the team right now and um you know, it's quite a transient city, so who knows how long we'll we'll all be here. And to do that, we need to get more than just Irish uh, people playing the game. So we want it to be embraced by all nationalities. So we set ourselves the principle as a club to maintain a 50-50 split of Irish players and non-Irish players. And to be quite honest, the non-Irish players are getting a little too good. Um, so Gaelic football over here is actually a 13-a-side game, which is something I'd recommend the GA back in Ireland consider it, it makes it a much more open format and of the 13 on the team about four or five of them are very genuinely um, getting their game uh, and they're non-Irish players 
So, um, so we've got a good mix. I mean, we've got some good players. We've got a bunch of ex kind of senior club players. We've got a few different intercounty players. Um, and we've a, a Tomas Brady from from Nafina joined last year. He's got a couple of All Ireland medals in his pocket. So, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty decent standard that these guys are coming into play uh, play in. And actually, in our first year, we we sent in all uh, US team to play in the national championships and uh, and they won it um, Francesco Borsetti from Rome actually scored the winning goal um, in the finals so uh, that goes to, to show how, how diverse the group is I read somewhere that in three years you've created a club of 65 players and 200 plus social members, that's bigger than some of the clubs in Ireland Yeah, it's it's really taken off Um I mean, we're really proud of what we built in in only three years. Um, LA is a big place. It's uh, it's it's got something like thirteen million people living in it, and about four hundred thousand of those are of Irish heritage or, or actually Irish. So we've got a good base that we're working from. But the city's actually really really spread out. It's more like twenty cities uh, over a large landmass, and there's no actual Irish hub. It's not like New York uh, or Boston, where it's kind of central Irish areas nor do we have our own pitch uh, or our own bar so um so it's not easy to kind of create that single place for people to to uh to centralize around which makes it hard to attract players so um yeah a lot of our growth has just come down to the hard work of the the players and the board and and right now we kind of have a, a first world problem which is having enough space to train and enough coaches to train players so as the club gets bigger, we uh, we start to to have different types of problems. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been incredible so far. So you're based in LA. Surely you must have had some famous players. Did uh, the likes of Colin Farrell ever tug out? Uh, yeah, we we haven't managed to get Colin to lace up his boots just yet. But uh, Chris O'Dowd did play a couple of years ago. Uh, it was good too. He, I think he played Roscommon Minor at one stage. Um, and we've lots of supporters in the the entertainment space. Um, I mentioned uh, mentioned Philip Rock earlier. Uh, Dean Rock was actually good enough to to wish his best luck last year in his Cougars jersey before we went off to nationals. His cousin Will Rock, um, originally from Ballymun, is actually playing in the team. And uh, rumor has it Barney is coming out this year for a holiday, so we'll we'll hopefully get him to to train us for a, a couple of sessions when he's here. Where do you get the Irish players from? Yeah, we're we're a real mix. We don't really kind of take from any one area. So we've got a few Cork lads you can never have enough Cork lads uh, Pat Spillane from uh, Winterbarra um, whose father actually played against the All-Stars in 1983 he was he was out here at the time Padraig Kremen from Bantry uh, go through the team a little Sean Cooney's from Clare uh, Owen Gagan who's our Vice President uh, pretends to be from Dublin but he's actually from Leitrim Ian Davis screen in Meath on Carey's from Clan Mel and I mentioned Tomas earlier he's from, from the Fiend in, in Dublin and what about the non-Irish players where do they come from and what attracts them to Gillian football the, yeah the non-Irish players are actually an even bigger mix of of, uh, of backgrounds we tend to get a lot of ex um, soccer basketball baseball players who played at a really high level in college and then when they left they, they didn't really have a, an avenue to continue to play competitively and so um, they end up finding us and love the physicality and the competitiveness of the game. Um, and I mentioned that four or five of them are genuinely starters on the team. We've got you know Steve Keane, who's from Boston. He's originally from Galway. Um, Scott uh, Svetkovsky from, from Buffalo. 
um, both played soccer at a pretty decent standard in college before finding us and, and giving it a go. Um, we've also got a bunch of Italians who actually moved over from, from Paddy Power. They worked in the Rome office um, when I was there. And uh, so they knew about Gaelic football before they landed. And they've really taken to it as well. And there was actually a, a Paddy Power board meeting here two years ago when two of them showed up in uh, in bandages from training the night before. So they, uh, the Paddy Power board got a good kick out of that. Um, and Francesco, who I mentioned, he got the, the winning goal at Nationals, actually won an Irish national basketball title at UCD. So they're all sporty guys and they, they took to it pretty well. And how do you manage such a large group of people without the infrastructure that clubs here in Ireland have? The simple answer is... Uh, sheer hard work um, from a lot of very dedicated people we have a board full of, I'll call them unlikely heroes um, but we've got people like PJ Cleary who's from Burr in Offaly which is obviously a, a hurling stronghold and he only ever played hurling growing up and uh, now that he's in LA and he's he's connected to the club, he's our club secretary uh, Owen Gagan um, didn't play very much in Ireland, but you know had it in his genes. His father is heavily involved in the um, uh, Kilnearnan Club in Wexford, and then others like Ronan Lonergan from Dublin, Adrian Killigrews from Waterford. Didn't play a whole pile back in Ireland, but again are you know hugely committed to the club, and they're the guys that that make it all happen. And finally, Ronan, what are your plans for this year and beyond? Yeah, we set ourselves a goal of winning nationals this year, so um, that's going to happen. Um, and everything between now and then is really geared toward that goal so we've got 8 weeks of training on Santa Monica Beach uh, followed by 4 games against San Diego and the Huntington Beach Wild Geese then we've got a couple of tournaments uh, 7th tournament in San Diego before we head to Nationals in uh, in Washington DC in August so that's kind of our year and then beyond that uh, the ambitions are a bit broader um, I really want to create a central location or hub for the club i mentioned we don't have a clubhouse we don't have a pitch we don't have a bar um and i think to really create that that fulcrum around which people can um can rotate and and find us i think we need something in the city that that's ours so um yeah it's a it's a big goal but i'd love to have a clubhouse a pitch a bar for us to have as our own and really attract people in and also give people who don't play uh, a way to connect with us because um, I think as much as anything else we're starting to become kind of a, a little bit of a hub for people that are new to the city whether they're Irish or not Irish and just kind of share a passion for for sports so um, yeah we want to maintain that into long into the future and that's it for this week's podcast our thanks again to you for listening and to all our guests for joining us today Thanks also to Larry Ryan, who edits and produces this program each and every week. To subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, just search for Examiner Sport. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review. You can also listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher and on YouTube. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook or at irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast. We're back again, same time, same place next week. Hopefully we will have your company once more. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 